Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and I'm talking with the chairman of our Republican Party, former congressman of the 2nd Congressional District of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. And Steve, I've been real anxious to get your thoughts on what happened Wednesday, January 6th in Washington, D.C. Well, the first thing that happened is that I think different members of the House and the Senate were starting to get a lot of input from home. States that had voted for the president felt like that there were anomalies and problems in the election. They wanted them to stand up and object. So a growing number of people in the House and over in the Senate had declared their intention to object. Now, for months, People had talked about this peaceful demonstration taking place in the Capitol, and so that was developing all along. Tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people, I would guess at least 150 to 200,000 people showed up, friends of mine that were asking, and I said, no, I've got the commitment to be at the RNC winter meeting, so we'll not be there. None of the elected officers from RPNM were able to make it. And so you had this mass gathering. Then the president went down and addressed them, and different people throughout the country now are saying that he incited them to storm the Capitol. I first of all want to listen to what the president said, and we'll play that clip, but then we'll come back and talk about the storming of the Capitol and our opinions on that. So listen first of all to what the president did say at that rally. Now it is up to Congress to confront this egregious assault on our democracy. And after this, we're gonna walk down, and I'll be there with you, we're gonna walk down We're going to walk down, anyone you want, but I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. This is what the president said at the end of his speech. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. So from that point, many in the news media, big tech, the social media giants, they're describing that the president incited people to riot. My listening on those words don't quite hear it the same way, but we'll let everyone make their decision. But ultimately, it looked like people who came with scaling ladders, scaling ropes, they came prepared to assault the Capitol. I've been on interviews and I'm telling the people in the interviews, I've been to a lot of Trump rallies, a lot of areas where you got 18 or 20,000 people. Your average Trump supporter at these rallies does not come with scaling ladders or scaling ropes, with climbing gear. They don't come with these things in backpacks in order to assault a capital. Now, maybe we had members of that group who just let themselves be swept along, but your average Trump supporter does not go intending to create violence. I've I've just been to a lot of rallies. And so you had someone begin to lead this effort to assault the Capitol, to break the doors, get in through the windows. And a lot of stupid people, frankly, went along with it. They were breaking the law at that point because the access to the Capitol is controlled for a reason. They've had people inside the chamber shot about 15 years ago. Two of the security guards were shot by someone who came into the actual House chambers, was up in the gallery 
and began firing. And so there are reasons for security in that building and the people who violated that are going to face charges. But I will tell you that when I hear that people clamoring that we got to enforce the law, I'm wondering where those voices were when Antifa was taking over Seattle, Washington, when they were kicking the police out of the police station there. I'm wondering in Kenosha, where were the people who were objecting to the violence that was burning down businesses, that was burning down people's homes? These riots were killing people. And where were the voices in complaint about that? So yes, I think the people who violated the law should be held accountable. They should be required to face the law that they broke. But I also think that everyone who did the same in the BLM and Antifa rights should face the same consequences. So we have a very scary thing developing out of all of this. Now, the corporate giants around the world, keep in mind that they have an allegiance to no individual country. Their allegiance is to money and to commerce. And so the headlines in The Federalist, a lady named Joy Pullman wrote an article on January the 11th with headline, Big Corporations Use the Capital Riots to Push a Communist-Style Social Credit System on Americans. It appears that global oligarchs have decided to not only collude with China's totalitarian control over its society, but to export that totalitarian control to the formerly free nations such as the United States. That's a very insightful beginning of an article that really lays out a strong argument. Again, I would draw you to that. Joy Pullman in her article refers to us being at the very beginning of a massive crackdown on people who have supported Donald Trump. And that assault is going to be led by big media and big tech. These entities are trying to make Trump into the example of their power. That is their power to frighten, their power to really take the half of Americans, the 75 million Americans who supported Trump and cow them into submission. In her point, point is we cannot allow these giants, these corporate giants to intimidate us. They're using the excuse of this unrepresentative group of fools who ransacked the U.S. Capitol. I don't think I know anyone who supports the actions that they took, but the big corporate giants are using those people who ransacked, and it was a very small percent of even the 200,000 that showed up in the market. It is not example, is not representative of the Republican Party or Trump supporters in general, but that's the illusion and the narrative that the big corporate giants are trying to create. Now, remember that the rioters for BLM and Antifa, some of those got away with murder. Some got away with attacking public buildings, even including state capitals. They got away with arson. And then after all that, the incoming vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, helped bail them out. She led an effort with uh, Democrat support to bail out free of charge these people who had murdered, looted, and committed other crimes. And so this very frightening thing that is going on now is extending even further. Twitter has banned Trump permanently. It has suspended Michael Flynn. Instagram and Snapchat also, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat also have banned Trump permanently. Google and Apple banned the Twitter alternative parlor from their app stores, claiming that it's giving a voice to right-wing agitators. The left-wing agitators have full access to all of these different venues, and yet uh, we see the attack on conservatives beginning to get uh, much more problematic. And so we're facing probably an unleashing of this creepy lust for punishment, is how Joy Pullman describes it. And I think I think that's very accurate. 
it's very problematic when people are said you can't think, you can't talk conservative ideas, you can't post conservative ideas, and we're going to punish anyone who associates with anyone that does post these things. And so I think that we're moving towards a period of great persecution of conservatives in New Mexico and in the nation. We as conservatives must fight back no matter what it takes, no matter how long it takes. We've got to ethically fight back and resist everything that they're trying to do until the power of these corporate giants is broken. The fight is on, and I think it's a fight for freedom, not just for us, but for the entire world. Again, stay tuned in the next segment for Pastor Steve Smotherman, but uh, Derek, a lot of news happening this week. On behalf of the New Mexico Department of Health, take COVID-19 precautions. Wash your hands frequently for 20 seconds. Don't touch your face. Use a tissue or your elbow to catch your sneeze or cough. Avoid large gatherings and close contact with sick people, especially if you are elderly or high risk. If you have a cough, fever, or shortness of breath, stay home from work or school. Do not go to the ER or doctor's office without first calling the coronavirus hotline. And avoid all unnecessary out-of-state travel. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico as the chairman of our Republican Party, Steve Pierce, speaks with this week's special guest. Well, Derek, as we mentioned in the first segment of the program, we're just very pleased to have one of my long-term friends, Pastor Steve Smotherman from Legacy Church in Albuquerque. He not only preaches to the congregation, he preaches truth to the entire state. He does not back away from the issues. He's bold and courageous about his faith and about its relationship to our everyday lives, both politically, economically, and socially. And so let's jump right in. Pastor, thanks for being on the program with us today. Tell us about your background. Well, thank you, Congressman, for having me. I'm a guy that grew up in a middle-class home. My dad served in the military for 24 years, so we lived all over. And one thing he taught me was to be a patriot, to love this country and love the Constitution. He died early in his life because of Agent Orange poisoning in Vietnam. And when I asked him when he was so sick, I said, are you mad? And he said, nope. If the government asked me to go, I'd go again. So that's the kind of home I grew up in. Uh, good parents. You know, I didn't grow up as a Christian, but I grew up as someone that was taught to love this nation. In fact, when I was 18, my dad drove me right to the post office and said, you're going to sign up for the draft. So that's how I grew up. When did you move to Albuquerque and when did Legacy start? Well, I moved to Albuquerque in 2002 and took over a church. And then the end of that year, we renamed it Legacy Church. So I've actually been at the church now as of January 6th, 19 years. We're on the southwest side of Albuquerque off Central, and it's not a really bad area, but it's maybe not the most affluent area, but great people people who love God. I always say this, we're the church that reaches people that nobody wants, and then God sends us people that everybody wants. And so we're just the church that opens up our doors and says, man, we we really don't care where you came from. We want to know where you're going. And I believe that's the heart of God. And so, you know, we have a campus in Central. We have one now at Montgomery and Wyoming. We have one in Rio Rancho. We have one in the East Mountains. And so God has really blessed of what we've done here. And I have a great team. I have a great group of leaders that support and help. And God's just blessed it. We've just been very fortunate. Give us your viewpoint on whether or not Christians should be involved in the political process. Well, anything that affects our lives, and now I think more than ever, we can see how voting in the wrong people can so adversely affect our lives. We have to be involved in. When the church removes itself, darkness just prevails. Darkness 
has no power. It's just the absence of light. And so when these so-called Christians or whoever, these pastors that I really have a tough time with, say things like that, it's for self-preservation. It's not about the people. It's not about standing up for righteousness' sake. I mean, we're called to stand up. And as believers, why wouldn't we? And now, because we didn't stand up, we have this Michelle Lujan Grisham. We got one of the worst leaders in the country, and she's destroying our economy and our lives, and she's attacked the church. We need to understand there's an assault on our freedom of religion, and the Bible's full of it. I mean, God removed kings and set up kings, and he had a big part in who was ruling the nation. And so we as believers have to stand in the public arena and voice our convictions and the truth of the gospel, and we need to be supporting people who will do the right things, and not supporting people who won't. And, you know, I don't know where we got this idea. I think it's just somehow it's taught or inferred that Christians should be passive, and no one in the Scriptures does it teach that. And, you know, if we were supposed to stay out of politics, why did Paul get beheaded? I mean, he violated more things than anybody. And so we, as believers, have to stand in the marketplace. We have to stand up for people who are going to stand with us. I mean, we're not voting in pastors to be governors and legislators and and that, but we need to vote in people who have a biblical worldview into these offices and support them. And when we don't, this is what we have in America today. Look what's happening. Now, as we went through this last election cycle, give us your insights on that. What sorts of things are you hearing right now as the pastor to a large group of diverse people? They're realizing more and more the mistake that New Mexico made by putting this governor in office. It's the first time that we've been persecuted. The church in America has been persecuted just blatantly. They're not even trying to hide it now. They just attacked the church, and we're being persecuted like we've never been persecuted before. And I think, from what I'm hearing, people are waking up and saying, it's true. We have to stand up and push back, and we have to fight. Because if we don't, we'll lose our rights. And we know political people and these people in power, once you give up your rights, you don't get them back. We're getting so many more people coming to our church because of our stand, because we've said we're not going to be pushed around. You know, I do some at the beginning of every service now, but we just call the rant. And I just rant about and just talk about what the governor's doing, what she should be doing, how punishing it is, how she's destroying our economy. She's destroying our children. I mean, we should all put pressure on this legislature to do their job and force the governor to open up our public schools again for the sake of our children. You know, I'm hearing more and more people saying it's time that we stood up. I just feel like that we're in a time when when we're going to be called to stand up for our faith. I think that the cost could be pretty significant in the very near future for expressing openly your faith. Look at what they're doing to anyone who supported Trump. You can extend that one step further. Very powerful people on the left have said that they should crush any religious efforts in the entire nation. And so that's the communication that we're receiving at a time where they're implementing even more restrictions to our lives, using the COVID as the rationale. Are you seeing anything in New Mexico against pastors or against yourself that are coming from the government leaders, either state, local, or national? We are. I mean, we had a big Christmas Eve service at midnight to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. I say service protest. We are protesting this governor every chance we get, and they find us. They find our church 5,000 for not forcing people to wear masks, and I just simply said, I am not the mask police. I don't enforce any laws. I'm not going to enforce it. If people want to wear them, they can wear them. If they don't, they don't. And because we exceeded her 25%, so we were fined just here in New Mexico. A few days later, they sent fines that said, we're going to fine you up two different fines for $5,000, which equals 10000 And we just said, we're fighting back. So we have national attorneys, we have local attorneys that are helping, that are doing a great job helping us fight back and say, we're not going to pay those things. 
And the reason they think they can push the church around is because the church, when you look at the whole church, when you look at just believers, Christian churches, some of them are standing up. But when you add off Catholics and all the groups of people, man, they're just submitting to whatever this governor says. And it doesn't make any sense. It's like COVID only visits churches and restaurants, but it doesn't visit big box stores. Let me read something to you, Congressman. The Bible says in Revelation 21.8, But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their faith is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And notice at the very beginning of that, he puts cowards. It's not like being afraid of speaking or afraid of heights. That's a different thing. It's talking about people who are unwilling to stand up for their faith. And so when these so-called Christians say, we shouldn't get involved. Well, when we're uninvolved, then evil prevails. When good men do nothing, evil prevails. Because the church as a whole has stayed back and said, we shouldn't get involved with politics. It just has become a country club for people to come and just be happy and not have anything addressed to them. Then we falter. And we've faltered. This state, well, what are we, 50th now in economics? I mean, we're at the bottom of everything, but we're at the top in suicide. And that's because the church has walked away and said we don't want to be involved. Because it's a fight to be involved. And the Apostle Paul said at the end of his life, right before he was beheaded, I fought the good fight. I ran the race. I kept the faith. And that's what the Christians need to realize. You're in a fight, whether you realize it or not, so we might as well fight back. And to not fight back is cowardice. Folks, we've been visiting today with Pastor Steve Smullivan, Legacy Church in Albuquerque. Again, sir, thank you for your time. Thanks for being on the program with us. Godspeed and God bless you as you go through your life leading your congregation in the pathways that are right. Well, God bless you, Congressman, and thank you for having me on, and thank you for fighting the fight. Steve Pierce and I will be back in just a moment with more Inside New Mexico. National Guard and Reserve members are true leaders, both in the military and in the workplace. They are highly skilled and get the job done every day. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, ESGR, can help you recruit top-notch service members to your workforce. Hiring Guard and Reserve members is good for your business and good for your community. Visit esgr.mil employers to learn more. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. I'm talking with the chairman of our Republican Party, Steve Pierce. Steve, the election's over. Vice President Biden will be sworn in on the 20th. Where do we go from here as a Republican Party? Well, again, there's a truism in politics that says when you're up, you're never as far up as you think you are. And when you're down, you're never as far down as you think you are. And so that's important for us to remember right now. Now, to listen to the news media, you will think that this was a landslide, that there was a mandate out there to move this country to the left. The truth is that this election was very close. We had 75 million people vote, the most ever for a second place finisher. In fact, it would have been the most ever for any presidential candidate by a lot. But Joe Biden is declared to have come up with more. But if you take away California, which is 5 million voters, and take away 2 million voters in New York, that's the 7 million difference. And then you have basically a 50-50 split in the Electoral College if you step away from those two states. But you also have a very narrow margin in the U.S. House of Representatives. You have a 50.2% Democrat majority, 498 
for the Republicans. In the Senate, it's even closer. It's a 50-50 split. So we are basically in a 50-50 nation. And I'm telling our candidates now, get ready, get set, hold on, because 2022 is going to be a big year for Republicans in New Mexico. I felt like in this last election that we could turn New Mexico red, but I absolutely believe that it's going to occur this time, 2022. New Mexico never makes radical changes from the majority Democrat party during presidential elections. It's in the off cycle. It's in the other two-year election where we make our strides. And so I think we're going to make massive strides. I think the Democrats are going to overreach nationally. They're going to overreach here in New Mexico. It's going to open the door for even more Democrats to vote Republican than voted this last time. So hang on. This 50% nation is not finished yet. We have a gubernatorial race coming up in 2022. Yes, the gubernatorial race is going to be highly contested. People are frustrated. They're angry. They're scared about not being able to pay their bills. Uh, the amount that Washington can give to individuals is almost nothing. 600 bucks, 2000 bucks. That's not enough to get through even one month. And so I think that we're going to see a, a great urgency to put people back into the jobs and get our economy going again. And that's going to be one of the big issues for the gubernatorial race here in New Mexico. You know, as we're talking about this 50-50 nation, I get a lot of questions right now from the press. What do you think about the impeachment efforts and are they going to succeed? There's no way that in eight or 10 or 12 days or a month that you could impeach the president of the United States. This was a publicity move brought on by the Democrats to satisfy their radical base on the left. They might get the impeachment articles out of the House of Representatives, but with a 50-50 margin in the Senate, there's no way that they can get the required votes there to get a conviction. And so again, it's just a publicity ploy, something to keep Trump off balance for the last few days of his term. And this call for unity from Democrats, I find so disingenuous, so dishonest. Even before President Trump was sworn into office, they committed to impeaching him and he had not done anything in office. They were simply speculating what he might do. They were frightened at what he could do if he pursued the legal avenues on Hillary Clinton and, and Comey and some of the other people who really should have been prosecuted. So we hear these calls of unity now that they're in charge. But when a uh, Republican president was in office, both President Bush and President Trump, I uh, saw no signs of that unity at all. You saw discord. You saw attempts to completely ruin any opportunities to move the nation forward under Republican leadership. We just are seeing uh, as a result of all of these things, uh, very long lines are forming right now in gun stores. You can't find ammunition on the shelves. I've been talking to people who are looking for months to get just basic kinds of ammunition that's being sold before it can even get to the market. And so you have just a lot of indication that people are frightened at where the country is right now. Last week, I was able to attend the Republican National Committee winter meeting. It was in Florida. And at that, I was able to hear two of my real heroes. I served with both Christy Noem, who became governor two years ago in South Dakota, and also served with Ron DeSantis, who became Florida's governor. And both of those have really stood up and stood tall on the conservative principles of personal accountability and responsibility. Instead of shutting their states down, they've opted to manage the risks and to tell the people who are most at risk that they should be cautious, that they're the ones who could suffer the most, 
most of the population, really 99.9% are going to survive even if they catch it. Uh, you got about 1% to 2%. If you're healthy, if you're under 50, 1% to 2% mortality rate in that range. If you're over 70, very high risk. If you get COVID, if you've got underlying conditions, very high risk. If you're a student in school, young kids, 18 and younger, basically don't have much susceptibility to the COVID. And yet the Democrat managed states have shut down our schools and our economies. These Republican states led by Kristi Noem and Ron DeSantis, uh, South Dakota and Florida have really showed us the pathway forward tell people what the risks are, and then let them manage their lives. Government can't tell us everything to do. They can't protect us. If we're vulnerable, then we can protect ourselves. But uh, their economies are thriving. Their businesses are doing well. People are moving into those states. And they're after more than the economic piece of it. They're after freedom. They're after liberty. They're after just being able to live their lives and see their kids going to school and, and know that they're making good progress to establishing a long, healthy, successful life. And so just seeing and hearing my friends last week was really stunning. At that meeting, I was honored to be selected in the Western region as our representative on the budget committee. It's a position that I sought for. It was a contested election. At one point, three people going to run for the office. One of them came and visited with me and decided that I represented his views well enough and he backed out of running. But I won that election, and so we'll be representing New Mexico and the western part of the entire U.S. on the Budget Committee for Republican National Committee. A lot of questions to be answered by the way that we spent our money in the last two to four years. A lot of uh, questions as we move forward how we're going to spend our money. But again, I just leave people with the understanding that our Republican values are needed more now than ever. If you don't believe it, just look at the Democrat states under COVID. That's what the U.S. is going to look like under Democrat control. And no one should have any question how badly that we need the conservative principles of the Republican Party now more than ever. If you've been listening to Steve and I and would like to get more involved in the Republican Party of New Mexico, you can do that by checking out www.gopnm.org. The party also has a Facebook page and a Twitter account. The handle is at New Mexico GOP. You can also call party headquarters at 505-298-3662. That's 505-298-3662. Steve? So, again, great program, Derek. Appreciate you always. And appreciate the local radio stations for running these programs. Call your radio station and tell them you appreciate hearing the program. Let them know. And we will talk to all of you next week on Inside New Mexico. 